Good afternoon and welcome to the Young News Podcast. Your host, John Phillips, on this Tuesday, March 8th, 2022, sharing with you my thoughts on current events and culture. And everyone is focused on the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. And I must say, isn't it fascinating, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, how in just a couple of weeks, we can be fully focused on the most dangerous and deadly thing this world has ever seen over the past several decades, something called COVID-19. It is so deadly. It is so horrific. It has caused so much damage all across the world that a conflict in Eastern Europe between two countries can immediately distract people and occupy all TV stations and be the center of everyone's attention. And there's obviously that meme out there, you know, on the internet these days with Putin there, you know, getting the Nobel Peace Prize of Medicine or whatever it's called and um, saying, congratulations, President Putin, you have cured COVID in seven days. And well, quite frankly, that is exactly what happened. Putin came about. He decided to say to the West, enough is enough. And an invasion took place. And I come to the defense of Russia. I am someone who has defended Russia since 2014, since when America, in its arrogance, thought that they could just overthrow a pro-East regime in Ukraine and not believe that there would be consequences for such an action. People have to understand, Ukraine's a very sensitive country when it comes to Russia, there were millions of Russians who got slaughtered in World War II when the Germans invaded Russia. And if you look back into your history books, one of the countries in which foreign military forces marched through on their way to Russia was Ukraine. So Russians take the idea of a foreign military power marching through the country of Ukraine very seriously. And when they start to see certain things take place in which suggest that, for example, Ukraine is on the way to becoming a part of NATO, enough is enough. You've crossed a red line. Now, I believe, deep down, I believe that they knew this. That Western leadership and Western governments knew this was very sensitive. They were dealing with a tremendous amount of corruption that they partook in when it came to COVID. They were being debunked. They were being put to shame. Media outlets were being mocked, laughed at. Their viewership was in the tanks. A massive trucker protest in Canada stole the headlines and freedom became a very vibrant word that was a concern and a threat to those elites in power. And along comes Ukraine. Now, the West knew exactly what they were doing. They were provoking Russia. Yes, the West was provoking Russia. This is something that has taken place since 2014. 2014, there's a government in Ukraine, it's more pro-East than the West would like. They would prefer a government that's pro-West. Well, 
they don't have a government in Ukraine that's pro-West. It seems to be a little bit more pro-East. So what does that mean? Let's start a protest. Let's fund an operation that is against this leader. Let's oust him from power and install a puppet in government that is a little bit more favorable to our policies. Well, Putin responds by obviously annexing Crimea. But more importantly, I think we should also understand that simultaneously over the past several years, Russia has done an amazing job at protecting the sovereignty of Syria and has protected Syria from falling into chaos. Now, I think all of us would agree that America, in the name of democracy, toppling Gaddafi, that America created chaos in Libya. America created chaos in Egypt. America created chaos in Iraq. Thank goodness the Russians stepped up and said, we're not going to have chaos in Syria. And Assad, and people are going to say he's brutal, he's corrupt. I, I'm still trying to find one leader in the world who's not brutal and or, or corrupt. I haven't been able to do so. Maybe you'll be able to help me one day. And Assad stood strong and stood strong and Russia stood strong. Not only did they keep the sovereignty of Syria alive, but they also, thank goodness, helped to eradicate ISIS with the help of Iran. And yes, President Trump pretty much gave, putting, taking the handcuffs off American soldiers and doing what he had to do, along with those two powers, to get rid of this evil foe called ISIS. So we are in a situation right now in which was expected by those who needed a distraction. They needed a distraction. They needed an excuse to use when confronted about inflation, gas prices, wages, problems, the economy, all of these things. There needs to be a boogeyman. And that boogeyman is Russia. And I think people have to understand what Russia is doing here. First and foremost, we I mentioned a little bit about why Russia was obviously very sensitive to military troops from non-Ukraine territories using Ukraine as a base because, quite frankly, that's exactly what the Germans did in World War II. But also we have to understand that the West had an agreement with Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union, and it was that NATO would not expand onto the borders of Russia. Well, it didn't seem like they were following through on those promises. And I think we all should be reminded that as much as we'd like to say that NATO is this angelic group of people that can only do good in the world, might I remind you of the dozens of hospital targets that NATO hit in Serbia during the outbreak of civil war inside of that country in Yugoslavia and what took place there. Might I remind you that they had something in their weapons that they used, something called depleted uranium. It was spread all across Serbia and cancer rates spiked out of control as a result of these weapons being dropped into Serbia. Might I also say that in addition to hospitals, bridges, industrial places, civilians wore targets. So NATO doesn't have this beautiful, angelic reputation. Let's talk about Afghanistan. Disaster. Let's talk about Iraq. Disaster. 
Ask those people in Afghanistan and Iraq if NATO involvement in both those places was a good thing. And what? Now we're just supposed to uh, believe that overnight NATO is going to absolutely do amazing things for Ukraine? Its track record is quite suspect. Serbia, suspect. Iraq, suspect. Afghanistan, suspect. We have to look at what's going on and not be afraid to admit the fact that when it comes down to the military and the United States and the EU, we don't have a great track record. And we also have to understand that no one in their right mind in living in the United States would be perfectly okay with having China sign a pact with Mexico and having troops, Chinese troops, with Chinese missiles and Chinese tanks, Chinese planes on the border of the United States. And they are doing so because it was Mexico who decided to sign the pact and they have the freedom to make that decision. Americans wouldn't let that happen. And if Americans were apathetic to it, I can almost guarantee you that Washington would not be apathetic. They would not let that happen. So we are in a very interesting time, a time in which there is tremendous hypocrisy, a time in which people have convinced themselves that militaries in the West always fight for good, strong, moral causes, and that evil Russia with that evil Putin will always fight for evil causes and can do only harm, even though Syria suggests otherwise, even though the destruction of ISIS suggests otherwise. So this is where we are, ladies and gentlemen. I also want to point on some, I also want to make the point that there is a, a, a limited understanding of Christianity by the average person living in the West today. You can blame secularism. You can blame a lack of education overall in our society. But there's a lack of understanding when it comes down to Christianity, even by Christians themselves. There are people that believe that Christianity only flourished in Western civilization, and that Western civilization should be given credit for the flourishment of Christianity. Well, I have news for you. Western, the Christianity is not a Western concept. It did not evolve in Western civilization. It existed in Western civilization. It has been given credit to many of the things that have flourished in our society in the Western world. But there's also Christianity in the East, and there's also Christianity in the Middle East. And this idea that Christians in the West have a monopoly on the moral authority of what's right and what's wrong is outrageous. The bottom line is, if you look at President Putin and you look at the country of Russia, they are not shying away from God. They are not shying away from the church. It doesn't mean that they do everything right. It doesn't mean that they're holy, righteous people who should be considered angels. What it means is that the overall culture right now that exists in Russia says very clearly, there is this idea of the sacred in the world and the sacred should be protected and has a place in our society to exist. Versus the EU, which is 100% atheistic, whether you agree or not, that's a good, that's a good thing, is up to you. It is an atheistic organization. NATO is an atheistic organization. These are not organizations in which they believe having God as a central belief 
or the church as a part of society, they do not believe those things are needed. In fact, they believe that those things are a detriment to progress. This is the major point in which people in the West have to wake up. Ladies and gentlemen, if your government doesn't know how to define male from female, good luck trying to win a war in the 21st century. If your government doesn't believe that there's a role for the sacred in your society, a role for the church, a role for religion, if you believe that these things are only negatives and that they will be a detriment to the progression of your society, you will lose. And my final point to make, why Russia will be eventually successful in what they are doing and what they would like to accomplish, whether I like it or not, by the way, the last reason is because they're stronger than you. Face it. Russians today, if they were told they don't have power for the next week and just bread and water to live on, will be perfectly fine. And let's face it. You're told you don't have electricity. You travel two hours in an air-conditioned car to stay at a hotel for 24 to 48 hours. That's the difference between you and the Russians. And I also want to make this point that when you are someone who's lived a very spoiled life, someone like myself, and you have a lot of amenities, and you have a lot of luxuries that you take for granted all the time, when things go bad, you are less likely to be able to be successful in moments of adversity than those that have had adversity their entire life. The millennials growing up in Russia, whether you think they're nice, whether you think they're not nice, are tough. They're strong. They've had to suffer for a long part of their life. 90s in America were amazing. 90s in Russia were a disaster. But that disaster obviously was able to toughen up a population. A population that seems to be going back to its roots and going back to a culture that values certain things that are very important in life. For example, the sacred. For example, male, female. Husband, wife, children, children who have other children. And so this is where we are today. And I have made this point several times, and this is how I'm going to end this podcast. The real reason why countries like Iran and Russia are a threat to the West is because they have at this moment a strong belief in tradition and a strong belief in their identity. They know who they are. They read their history. They embrace their history. We don't. And that is why they are a threat to the Western New World Order. Because at the end of the day, a country with a strong culture is hard to dominate. A country with a strong, vibrant, tough culture is strong to defeat. It is very strong to hard to occupy. And they're upset with Iran and Russia for this reason. They are difficult countries to infiltrate because they have preserved their culture. They have said loud and clear, Iran and Russia have said loud and clear, that culture is more important than the economy. Culture is more important than getting the Starbucks in the morning. 
Culture is more important than making sure that I get a new car every four years. Culture is more important than having to go on a $5,000 vacation every year. Culture is important because culture is a part of your soul. And yes, you have a soul because there is the sacredness of this world that exists, a spiritual side of this world that exists, something that the West wants to purge from the next generation of people living in their civilization. These are my thoughts on what's going on with Russia, with Ukraine, with what's going on in the world today. And again, the last point I'm going to make, I've already made it once, the reason why when you see gas prices go up and the economy goes south and you think, what is Russia doing? I don't understand. Look, the West is more spoiled than the East. The West is not as patient as the East. So when things really start to go bad, we, the spoiled ones in the West, will be the first ones to come to the table and say, okay, enough is enough. I want my gas to be $3 again. I want to be able to not live paycheck to paycheck. I want to be able to not feel like energy costs three, four, five times more than I can afford. So please stop this with punishing Russia. Enough is enough. It's time to get back to basics and come to a compromise. That is why I think the West, not the East, will have to make concessions. And why, quite frankly, Russia in the history books will come out the winner. Keep in mind, there's no such thing as a winner in war. But they will certainly be able to come to the table with more leverage than the West. That is what I'm saying. That is what to expect over the next couple of years to come.